Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. That's good. Hey, I just, I want to say, I for one loved seeing men worship the Lord. The Bible says it like this. I wish I would see, he says, I, I, I would that men would lift up holy hands everywhere without wrath or doubting. There's just something powerful about men that are saying, I want my life to honor God. And, uh, and I'm going to do it with a group of brothers. And so, man, if you're, uh, if you're here and you're like, I kind of, I, I want to figure out why they're acting like that. Um, <laughs> hey, Sign up for the next event. It's good. I promise it's good. Um, it's so good that my voice is a little sore. And, um, yeah, so come on out. It's going to be going to be a good time. Um, I'm limping today, and I'm, I'm not limping because I jumped in front of a burning bus to save children or got stepped on by a bull. Um, I think I just had my sandals too tight. So um, I had somebody that was like, hey, you're from the Yukon. You're not supposed to get hurt over stuff like that. I was like, come on, what in the world? Come on. It hurt me. Uh, like, you don't see calluses on these hands? A preacher, come on. And, but, um, hey, I'm, I'm pumped for these guys. I'm pumped for your marriages and for your families. And for those of you that are single, I'm pumped for the girl you're going to meet because she's going to get a quality guy. Hey, when, when I grew up, I... Um, I, I grew up in Southeast Alaska. <laughs> he was like, Derek's like, that's me, quality. All, all, all my single. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> he's like, he's not lying. But here, here we go. So, so hey, when I, when I grew up in Southeast Alaska, and Southeast Alaska is a rainforest. I grew up in a little town called Sitka. And, um, and, and when I, growing up there, there was these big forests that we would play in. The ferns would be taller than you as a child. The fern, fern forests that are like that tall. And as a little guy, you'd be kind of wading through them. And trees so big that, that, a, that a grown person can't reach around them. These, these Douglas fir and Sitka spruce trees are just huge. They tower into the sky and rain constantly. I didn't know that there was a thing called sunshine until I moved to Idaho. And, uh, but as a little guy, I remember I would go to these parks that were along the beach and uh, we would we would find sticks and we would uh, we would make them into laser guns and machine guns and and pistols and like it's just amazing how you put little boys in the forest and they find guns everywhere it's just this is incredible and it doesn't change it doesn't change my, my my children are getting older and my oldest still like he'll we'll go out camping and like he's got all these sticks he wants to bring home and I'm like what are you bringing all the sticks home for dad they're my special sticks they're special uh, it's just so much fun. But as a little guy, we would, we would play like imaginary war and we'd be running around in the woods, shooting at each other and hiding and, and dodging bullets, back and forth, back and forth. And it, it's, it's a lot of fun when kids are in that season where they're playing imaginary war, but at the same time, they're in the, the rule-oriented game season where they're all about the rules. And so it's like, I shot you. No, you didn't shoot me. I shot you. No, I didn't. Like it went through my arms. Like you, you went under my leg. I, I, you didn't touch me. But one day we kind of, we graduated from the imaginary war thing to um, we, we had slingshots. Now, my uncle, he owned, a, he owned a, a welding shop in Olympia, Washington, and he would, he would make slings, uh, slings for all the, the cousins, and he'd, he'd send them to us, or at family gatherings, we'd get them. And so by this point, I had about four custom-welded slingshots from Uncle Perry. And, um, and we, me and my friends, we went up onto this mountainside, and as we're up in the mountain just playing around as little guys, we... We passed out the slingshots, and we're like, all right, we, we just got tired. Like, you can only shoot at squirrels and grouse for so long. And then you realize it's a lot more fun to sh shoot slingshots at each other as little boys, you know? And so we started grabbing pine cones, and we're like, okay, you two are on that team, and we're on this team, and we're the good guys, and you're the bad guys, because that's, that's the way it is, right? Like, we're always on the good team. They're always on the bad.
bad team. Like, it doesn't change. Even when we grow up, we're always the one that's good. They're always the one that's bad. You know what I'm saying? And we were, we were shooting slingshots at each other with, uh, with pine cones. It was so much fun. And the thing about a pine cone is this, that, that when you shoot it out of a slingshot, the, the resistance from the little flaps in the pine cone, they, they make it slow right down by the time it hits somebody. So it, it's not hitting them very soft, and, and then there's a lot of argument about who got who and, and this sort of thing. So we upgraded, and we found a bunch of gooseberries. And gooseberries are these... They're these little, they're rock hard little, uh, little red berries with, with some green um, sort of leaves that come off of them. They're, and they're a great source of vitamin C. In, in fact, if, if you look in your, your, um, your vitamin C at home, it didn't come from an orange. It came from a gooseberry. And so we were just giving each other some, met, some vitamins. And we, <laughs> so we were shooting these gooseberries at each other, and it would sting a little bit. But as a, as a young boy, we just thought it was amazing. And um, I'm pretty sure my team was winning. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and I was hiding behind this log, and and I came up, I came up getting ready to. I had a, a gooseberry, and I was getting ready to, to try to shoot it at somebody. And I saw this this light blue berry floating in the sky, and in my mind, I'm thinking that's not red. That's that doesn't look like there's blueberries are darker than that. It's not blueberry season in it. What kind of I'm sitting there trying to figure out what kind of what kind of berry is that? And right about the time I figured out that it wasn't a berry, I realized it was a marble and it hit me right here. Knocked me flat on my back and knocked this tooth out of my face. And I had like a a nerve dangling and that I didn't know existed. And once you know what a tooth nerve feels like, it's not the most pleasant thing in the world. And so it was at that moment that our imaginary battle turned into a real battle, you know. Like it became real right then. And I think so many of us, we believe we're in an imaginary battle, but we, we don't realize that the truth of the matter is you're not in an imaginary battle. We're kind of in between collections of sermons right now, and we were talking about addressing the mess in our life, and we're going into the summer. We're going to be doing a whole collection of sermons on the fruit of the Spirit. But right now, we're talking about spiritual warfare, and I'm just saying there's so many men and women they think they're in an imagine. When we talk about spiritual warfare, the moment I say that, you're like, oh, he's weird. But the truth is, it's not an imaginary battle. And, and, and you get hit with that marble, and you're thinking, where did that marble come from? The truth is, it was never imaginary to begin with. It was an actual battle. You were in a real fight for your life. Now, when we talk about spiritual warfare, we're not talking about some sort of symbolic thing that in, in, in distant heaven and in, in some sort of distant evil place, there are sort of things happening in the sky that really don't affect humans. What I'm saying is this. According to scripture, there is both a visible world that we live in and then there is a spiritual realm we cannot see. And so many of us are fighting for things that don't really matter and losing the fight for the things that really do matter. I, 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 what I'm not saying is I'm not saying there's a devil under every rock. Like, like you running late for work, I don't think that's the devil. I think that's time management, and we can, we can deal with time management as well, right? That's a, but I do think that there are things in our life that appear in the natural world just certain struggles with certain insecurities or certain issues that keep revealing them. Like, like I'm not saying like, like everything has, has a spiritual back behind it, but I am saying there, are, there is an uncanny way that sometimes the exact same issue is almost like it's a cyclical issue that keeps revealing itself in our life, and we wonder why it is that I keep having this same thing showing up in my life month after month, year after year, and I just can't quite put my finger on it, but I think there's more to the issue than just being able to balance my books. The, the Apostle Paul, when he talks about spiritual warfare, he, 
he speaks about it in Ephesians chapter 6. I would encourage you to read it on your own time. But in verse 10, he says it like this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Woman of God, man of God, it is his plan. It is his purpose for you that you would be strong in the Lord. Like, like, it is not okay for us to say we have our faith in Jesus Christ, but remain elementary in the things of faith. It's God's plan that you would grow strong, that, that you would have a broad shoulder and, and have a depth of understanding in the things of God and, and have like, like a real ability to manage the things of life through godly principles. This is, this is why we do things like the story of God that's coming up. Right, So we go to the story of God and, and somebody, you're like, oh, they said it's like the chronological order of, of the Bible. I already know the chronological order. I don't need this. But I promise you what will happen when you go to story of God is you will, you will develop a lens of how God interacts with the world. And through that lens, you'll now look at your own life and see, oh, now things make sense. I recognize what God is at work in my life now. That's being strong in your faith. Like, like all these men that went up on the mountain and, and they went up and, and, and I promise you there are some things that have changed in them that you're going to be like, oh, there's a strength there I didn't see before. And like the wives are going to be like, that's attractive. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just saying it's God's plan for us to be strong in the strength of his might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. There's two things there. One is he talks about an armor, and we're not gonna go into that today. That's a whole collection of sermons right there. But what he does say, and that I am gonna point out is, he says, he says that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. That means he's organized. He has a plan. He's, he, he, it, it's not just random. It's not just random occurrences. It is a strategic plan. It's a scheme. And he's been following people and watching people for eons. And he knows how you and I tick. And Paul is saying the only way you're going to be able to battle his strategy is if you be strong in the Lord. Paul goes on and, and he says this in the next verse. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And when I say heavenly places, I, I talked about this last week. You may hear that and think, oh, that don't make sense. Are you saying that the devil is with God in heaven? Because that's not what it's saying because the, the same book also says that you are with Christ in heavenly places. What it's really saying is this, is that, that there are evil and good forces in a realm called heavenly places or places that you cannot see with your eyes, a spiritual world. Because listen, family, at the, be at the end of the day, we are primarily spiritual people with physical attributes, emotional attributes, and intellectual attributes. But we are first of all spiritual. And, and if we don't recognize this, we will be in a fight and not know that we are in a fight. So last week I, I talked about uh, the defensive strategy that Paul gives us in how to deal with the attacks of the enemy in our lives. When the enemy is coming in, Paul gives us a simple strategy. It is this. And having done all, stand. When all else fails, you just stand. He, he, he'll come at you and sow lies into your head and, and try to get into your family and try to manipulate situations. At the end of the day, don't pop off on social media. Don't run around in circles and lose your mind. The way you fight him is you just stay put and stand. There's, there is something to be said for men and women of God that will just be faithful to God in the face of trial. It's powerful, and it is transformational. But today, I want to talk about an offensive strategy that Paul gives us. An 
defensive strategy is what we do when we're being attacked. But I think it's really short-sighted of us if we are only concerned about the spiritual things when we are being attacked. I, for one, want to take ground in the things of the Spirit. I, for one, want to take some ground. I want to move forward in my family, forward in my mind, forward in my heart. And so today that's what we're going to talk about is how to move forward in the things of God. Paul says it like this. He says, we wrestle not or we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But we're wrestling against some sort of a spiritual thing. Notice he says, he's talking about wrestling. He's he's not saying it's sitting back in a couch somewhere watching a program on Netflix. That's that's not what we're doing. We're we're wrestling. We're engaging. And when I was young, I used to love to wrestle and and, and, and tangle up with people. Now I'm not so, I'm just at a season of life where I'm just not super interested in wrestling with people. While we're up at the men's event, Kaylin was trying to tangle up with me a little bit. I was just like, like, I just don't have a lot of interest to like roll around with sweaty dudes anymore. You know, there's just not not something I'm really into. Like somebody's like, oh, you should get into jujitsu. I'm like, I, like I, I understand that. But the only person I have any interest in, you know, wrestling like a jujitsu type thing would be my wife. <laughs> but the point of wrestling is this, is that wrestling is full contact. Wrestling is every ounce of your body and your mind all engaged at once. And Paul is saying, you are in a fight. You are in a wrestle. You are in the trenches. And I'm here to tell somebody that it may, he says, we don't wrestle against the flesh and blood. Because what we see is the flesh and blood. We, we see the finances. We, we see the, the personality struggles. We see the, the emotional issues. And, and we think those things are the problem. Paul says, you're not wrestling against those things. You're wrestling against the enemy of your soul who is out to steal your joy. He's out to steal your confidence. He's out to steal your fulfillment. He's out to steal your peace. And somebody right now says, well, Preacher, that doesn't even make sense. If there really is a devil, why would he be after my sense of confidence? Because if he can attack your confidence or he can attack your joy or your peace or any other area of your life, he will, number one, prevent you from really accepting and receiving the full gospel into your life. And the second thing is he will prevent you, most importantly, he'll prevent you from accomplishing God's plan for your life. Men that just went to the return, God's plan for your life isn't transformation on a mountain. That's a step. God's plan for your life is to have purpose and direction, a Holy Spirit ambition moving forward from here. And so there are, there are things that we struggle with and we're actually in a wrestling match. Paul says it like this to a young man named Timothy. He's a young preacher, and Paul writes him a letter. It's in 2 Timothy. He says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. The apostle Paul, when describing what it's like to live for God, does not say, I made a decision and shook someone's hand, and everything was great from there. What he says is, I wrestled, I fought, I ran my race, I have finished my course. I'm just telling somebody today that this is not a once and done, I'm just going to rest on my laurels. But there needs to be a mother in this house that says, I'm going to fight the fight for my family. There needs to be a husband in this house that says, I'm going to fight the fight for my family. There needs to be a daughter or a son that says, I'm going to run the race so I can finish God has planned. Here's what he said. He says, henceforth there is laid, henceforth, there was laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. I love it when, when I run into Bible words that I would never use. Come on. Thank you. Words of affirmation mean something to me. But here's the deal. 
He says, he says I've run this race. I, I've moved forward, and, and my, my sights were set on the appearing of the Lord. I, he's, he's looking for people whose eyes are set on the appearing of Jesus Christ, who, who aren't just in it for the moment, but they're running towards the appearing of Jesus Christ. I just choose to believe that God wants better for you. I just choose to believe that God has a purpose and a plan for everybody in this room. I, I just choose to believe that when the scripture says that eye has not seen and ear has not heard what God has in store for you, I just believe that. And even when I'm under attack, and even when my, my foundation is being chipped away, I choose to fight the fight. He says this in 2 Corinthians. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. I love, Paul just keeps, Paul, you, you said it once. It's good enough. Paul just keeps saying it, people. And Paul keeps saying it because we are easily distracted by what we can see. And if we're not careful, what we think the real problem in our life is our inconsiderate boss. That's the real devil in my life. It's my boss who won't let me take time off work. That's the devil in my life. Or maybe for you, like, you're like, you know what the real demonic forces are that are in my life? It's, it's flesh and blood. It's my mother-in-law. Like, like my mother-in-law, the, she's the one, she's trying to ruin my life. No, Paul is making something very clear. The problems you face in life do not have a human face attached and we go sideways when we begin to believe that people in and of themselves are bad and they must be the problem that's not biblical what's really going on is this he's saying that you wrestle with something beyond them that you cannot see you're, you're fighting a battle that you cannot put your hands on Then he says this, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We, he says, he says, destroy strongholds, but then he goes on, he says, in the next phrase, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedient thought when your obedience is complete. What's the point here? The, the point is, he says this, that the enemy of your soul has a plan to build a stronghold in your life. And he says that the way you deal with it isn't through flesh and blood, there's a spiritual way you deal with it. He says, but you have the authority to destroy strongholds. Next line. You have the authority to destroy strongholds. Next line. We destroy arguments, lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God and take captive every thought to obey Christ. What's he saying? He's saying that the enemy of your soul is not trying to attack your gas tank. He's not underneath your gas tank with, with a drill trying to make you run out of gas on the road. That's, that's not his agenda. His agenda is he wants to fight something in your mind. And, and Paul intentionally puts this idea of strongholds right with the, we destroy strongholds. How? We cast down every imagination that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We, we break down arguments. We break down the lies that have been inserted into our life. Because when the enemy of your soul attacks you, he's coming from a place that you cannot see. And it manifests itself, or did you hear my voice crack a little bit? 13, all over again. Let's go. And it manifests itself in, in places that you can see. But the battlefield itself, between these two things, the strongholds he builds in your life are right here. Because the Bible says Satan is a deceiver. It says it like this. He is, one, one passage says that he is the accuser of the brethren. It means brothers for all of you people in 2022. Brothers. 
and sisters. He, his role, his purpose, his agenda is to accuse. Another passage says it like this. He is a liar and the father of lies, and in him there is no truth. He couldn't tell the truth standing on a Bible. He's full of lies. And so the way that he attacks, the way he inserts himself into our lives is he accuses us. He creates deception in our lives. He, he speaks words into our lives. And what we do is we then agree with those words. Hey, what do you mean, preacher? This sounds weird. No, hold on. He inserts a lie or an accusation into your life that we agree with. A great example is this one. You went through a divorce. So now you are damaged goods and unlovable. And if you're not careful, you will believe that lie that you are damaged and that you are unlovable. And when you believe that lie and you agree with a lie that comes from the pit of hell, he now has a platform to, to freely attack your life. Uh, the, the idea that you are, you are somehow shameful you, you, because of something that happened to you that you had no role in. It was, it was not your choice, but it happened to you. And so now you, you believe that you are shameful. And because you say, yes, that's right, I am dirty, I am shameful, what happens is you create a stronghold or a place, a position from which he can attack your life. And the Apostle Paul says, we tear that garbage down. We tear it down because we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. I want to give you four ways that we, four weapons that are great offensive weapons to tear down strongholds to move forward, to take ground spiritually. The first one is this. It is the weapon of prayer. A weapon called prayer. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says it like this. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. If you want to take ground spiritually, you must learn to pray. You can't just, like, hey, preacher, I wish you would have given me something m more creative than pray. Like, I know pray. I, I wish you would give me 13 steps to a more spiritually impactful life. There are not 13 steps. There's something very simple called a prayer life. It is not something that you can delegate or I can delegate. It's not something you put off on the professional Christians that somehow they pray and things happen. No, what it looks like is if you want to take ground spiritually, mama, what you do is when your kids are acting a fool and they're acting crazy, instead of arguing with them and getting in their face, what you do is you get a hold of God when they walk out of the house. You say, God, I know that you can make a difference in my daughter's mind. You can transform God, I pray right now now, that the friends that are surrounding my kids that are leading them down the wrong path, that they would find no favor with my kids. They'd have no interest. Like, I'm just saying there's power in a... I know I yell a little bit. It's because I believe this stuff. It's because, like, I'm just trying to communicate to you what's going on in here. I just believe in the power of prayer. And I, I don't think you can kind of think your way into gaining ground in, spirit, in the spiritual things. I, I don't think you can somehow master some sort of concepts that are going to get you there. The way you get there is an old-fashioned prayer life like your great-grandma used to have and your grandma used to have and your dad. I'm just saying... Come on, there needs to be a husband. Like what you need moving forward to lead your family as a husband is a prayer life. The, the, the church, you can read this in Acts chapter 12. It was the early church. They were, they were 
being oppressed by a guy named Herod, he, he didn't like the church, and he started implementing things against the church. And what he quickly realized was other people liked it when he persecuted the church. And so he felt free reign, like he could just go ahead and persecute the church. And so he imprisoned a man named Peter, one of the early disciples of Jesus. And he takes Peter and he puts him in prison. And his plan is, I'm going to kill him in the morning. And the first church did not go down to Kinko's and print off a bunch of picket signs. And go march around the prison saying like, free Peter, free Peter, let's go free Peter. Like they, they didn't, they didn't go to the polls and vote the way that they think they needed to vote, which I think we should vote, but that's not what they did. They didn't create civil unrest and start flipping cars upside down and lighting them on fire and like you're going to pay for taking Peter. They didn't do that. What they did is they retreated to a house of prayer and they all collectively began praying because there's power in prayer. And as the church began to pray, there were things happening in an unseen world that began to take effect in the seen world. Peter was behind bars, but the Bible tells us an angel shows up in his prison cell, takes off the chains, opens the door and leads him out of the prison. I'm just saying when you pray, Heaven hears. Heaven hears. There's power in prayer. There's power in getting a hold of God. The next thing I want to say is this. It is the weapon of praise. It is a weapon. It is a tool. And I think often we get confused because we think worship and praise are the same thing, and they're not the same thing. Worship is a reverence towards God. Praise is declaring things about him. And I think some people, they, they even think the, the, the reverence towards God, they get that confused with heaviness. And so they're just always heavy, and they're like, I'm just super spiritual because I'm just so heavy all the time. No. Now that's also confusing. But there is power in praise. When we, when we declare the goodness of, the God, or of God or we declare things we know about him, there's power with that. Here, here's what it says in Psalm chapter 8, verse 2. It says, out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemies and the avenger. Somebody right now, all you heard was avenger. That's in the Bible. <laughs> Another translation says it like this. You have taught children and infants to tell, your, to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. He's saying, if you want to silence, because remember the enemy, he accuses, he lies. He's <laughs> to silence him. The psalmist is giving us a clue in how to silence him, and it's in this thing called strength. Can I tell you that this word strength here has three definitions? One is strength, one is power, and one is praise. And right now you're thinking, oh, I see what you're doing, preacher. You're going to redefine a biblical word so it fits your sermon. Yes. <laughs> and no. Because Jesus quotes this very verse, and he chooses the definition he wants to choose. Matthew chapter 21, Jesus says it like this. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have perfected praise. What is Jesus saying? That there is strength through praise, and you can silence the enemy of your soul through the strength and the power that is found in praise. Praise. I'm just telling somebody, when, when all hell is breaking loose in your life, you just go ahead and begin to tell God the goodness of what he's done in your life. Begin to tell him all the great things that he's done because there's power in praise. It says it like this, out of the mouth of babes, it's perfect. 
because we as adults, we're jaded. We've been through life. We've been hurt. We've been disappointed. We've been let down. So it's, it's hard for us. But I promise you, if we walk across this, this wall right here over to a Sunday school classroom, there's a bunch of little kids that could tell the praises of God with pure hearts. They'd tell you about a man named David, just a little boy that nobody saw any potential in. And this little boy wouldn't stand for someone calling names to the God that he served. And he walked across a babbling brook and he stood against a, a giant with God at his back and he won. They'd tell you about a man named Daniel that was told no longer to worship God. And Daniel said, I won't give up my convictions for, for the world. Instead, I'm going to keep following the Lord. And they'd tell you that Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. And when he was in the lion's den, God closed the mouths of the lions. And then when he came back out, the king began to declare the goodness of God and everyone knew how incredible God was. Those little kids would tell you about three Hebrew children that were told, if you don't bow, you will be put into a fiery furnace. And those three Hebrew children epitomized faith. And they say, listen, we serve a God that can save us from the fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, we still won't bow. They're thrown into the fiery furnace. And there's a fourth man in the fire. I'm just saying you've got the kind of God that when you're going through the fire, he'll be with you and you'll come out not smelling like smoke. It's the power of praise. It's the power of speaking the goodness of God by simply declaring who he is. Our problem is we, we get so focused on our issues we are so laser focused on the problems we You guys, do you remember Winnie the Pooh? Do I remember him? I'm still a huge fan. I had Winnie the Pooh pajamas. Anybody else ever had those? Come on, let's go. Remember that guy Eeyore? Always losing his tail. <laughs> He's always discouraged, always down in the dumps. He'd, when your tail is missing, remember you have every right to mope. Wish I could say yes, but I can't. And then there's the other character, Tigger. Remember Tigger? Oh, the wonderful thing about Tigger is Tigger's a wonderful thing. His head is made of rubber and his tail is made of spring. A bounce, 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 a bounce. I'm just saying, when you get your eyes off the problem and you get your eyes on your heavenly father, you take ground in the spiritual world. You move forward in the things of God. It's a simple thing. It's a simple thing because we serve the kind of God that always comes through. He's strength for the weary. He's hope for the hopeless. He's a strong deliverer. He's a great counselor. He's the mighty God in Christ Jesus. He's a savior to the lost. He gives sight to the blind. He gives freedom to the captive. I'm just saying when you declare his goodness, chains break. The next thing I'm going to say is this. Is it's called the weapon of preaching. And somebody right now is like, oh, you're trying to pat yourself on the back. I get, <laughs> I get it. But let me tell you this. The scripture says this. That it is by the foolishness of preaching that people would be saved. Well, what is it about preaching that makes it so powerful? It's this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It, it is important it is very important in order to be strong believers that we know the word of God, that we dissect it, that we get into it. Around here, the way we do that is through groups, through small groups. This is why you should get plugged into a group and begin to dig into the word of God. If you haven't gone through Rooted yet, we, it's waiting for you. What are you waiting for? Grow in your faith. That's where maturity comes from. That's where strength comes from but it's not where faith comes from. Faith comes from hearing the word of God proclaimed. 
oh, it's just an inspirational preaching. It's just an inspirational speech. No, it's not. It's the word of God being proclaimed. And when I'm down in the dumps and when I don't know what to do and the world seems to be overwhelming me, you want to know what I do? I'll go to my TV and I'll be like, all right, kids, Mr. Beast is done. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna put some preaching on there and we're going to have that echoing through the hallways of our house. When I'm in my car and I, don't, I just feel like I'm beyond where I need to be, I'll turn on to somebody just declaring the word of not breaking it down verse by verse that builds you up that strengthens you but there are times when you just need the proclaimed word of God and it builds strength I'll take my YouVersion Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app, I'll put it on play and I'll just have it sitting next to me while I'm working or while I'm doing something. It's not teaching me the word of God. What it's doing is it's just declaring the word of God. I'm just hearing it in the background. It becomes a soundtrack to my life. And I'm telling you there's power and you can take spiritual ground through the declared word of God. Pastor, I've had enough sermons to last a lifetime. Me too. But the enemy of your soul has not stopped speaking lies and venom into your mind. But pastor, I just don't hear anything new. That's not my job. The word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. My job is not to give you something new. My, my job is to remind you of the things we already know about the faith. I, I'm just saying like there's power in hearing the word of God. As the band would come, there's a fourth weapon that will allow you to take spiritual ground in your life. And it is the weapon of a testimony. It's the weapon of being able to personally articulate what God has done in your life. The things that no one else saw, but you knew what he did. There's power there. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you'd become witnesses of him in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. To give context, that would be like me saying, when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you become a witness of the goodness of God right here in Nampa and in the Treasure Valley and across the country. It, it spreads because there's something about when we share what God has done with us, it just ripples. Preacher, that's just healthy self-talk. That's just positive thinking. No, it's not. It's Bible. The book of Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 says it like this, about those who have overcome, it says they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. There's power in recounting the times that God came through for you. What am I saying? I'm saying this, you would do yourself such a favor if you took an afternoon and you got you a yellow legal pad. And you just got quiet and you just started writing down all the times that God intervened in your life. When I was about to take my own life, he showed up through a friend. When I thought I had no hope, I went to a coffee shop and someone just came in and they just said, some encouraging word, and I knew in that moment it was just God speaking to this person. I would write them all down. Because there is something that is so strong about the power of your own story that John the Revelator said you can overcome with it. When I get discouraged, I go through those stories. 
I go back to the time when my wife and I didn't have a dollar to rub together. We didn't have, didn't have funds to make things happen, but somehow, I don't know how, but God always provided. And because he did it then, I know he can do it today. I go back to the time when, when my oldest son had a Q-tip in his ear and jumped and he smashed the Q-tip in his ear and blood was pouring out. We went to the doctor and the doctor said, we can't, we can't do anything now, there's too much blood. And we went back to the doctor, to, to the specialist to look at his ear and the specialist said, there's not even a scratch. I go back to the time that my little boy tripped and he fell onto a fireplace and his little nose turned 90 degrees to the right and his turned bright purple and his eyes turned black and we didn't know what to do and we didn't have the money to take him to a doctor and so I just grabbed him and my wife and I started praying for this little boy. And when we took our hands away, his face was fine. I'm just saying there's so much power in the word of your testimony, the times that God showed himself true in your life. Would you stand with me across the room? Stand with me. room right now, I'm going to pray for you, but I'm giving you four weapons to use. First is you need to, this summer, if you don't learn anything else, I don't care if you learn how to do the breaststroke, learn to pray. Get into a small group, learn to pray. Come on Tuesdays at 11, learn to pray. Learn to praise God in the middle of your trials. Create atmospheres where the proclaimed word of God washes over your mind and your soul. And recount the testimony of what God has done in your life. There isn't a gate in hell that can prevail against that sort of stuff. There's not a lie of the enemy that can stay attached to your mind and that sort of stuff. All across the room, would you raise your hands? Right now, God, your word says that we have power with God to pull down strongholds. So right now I rebuke every lie of the enemy that has been infusing itself into the mind of your sons and your daughters, saying that they're not good enough, that they don't have what it takes, whatever that lie might be, unworthiness, unforgiveness, we tear those down and we say that you are good and you are faithful and you are true and you've never missed an appointment and you're always on time and you're always forgiving and you're always just and you're always so good and kind towards us. Right now, Lord, I pray this would be a transforming moment. Someone's heart and their mind. Maybe for you right now, you're, you think this is all great, but I don't even have the first rung of that ladder going, going for me yet. I'm far from God. I've been far from him for a long time. And those lies and that sense of self-defeat is so thick. I don't know what to do. Here's what you do. You get yourself your first testimony. The first time that God showed up in your life could be right now. 
scripture says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him up, you will be saved. Now could be your testimony. If that's you, you're ready, you're ready for this to be a testimony. You, you can keep your hands up, those of you already have your hands up, but put it high so I can see it, real high. Come on, oh my goodness, that's a lot of people. Come on. That's a lot of people. Listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to repent and we're going to believe. Repent means we turn away from the things in our life that don't please God. And we're going to trust and believe that Jesus died, was buried, rose again. And when we do this, the Bible says, his blood will cleanse us from all sin. And he'll start having a conversation with us. He'll start asking questions. Pray with me right now. God, I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know don't please you. I've been trying to do it on my own. And I'm turning away from those things now. Would you forgive me? I believe that Jesus Christ died, that he was buried. Three days later, he rose. And right now, I'm putting all of my faith and all of my hope in Jesus alone. Say these words with me. Jesus, be the Lord of my life, and I will follow you every day that I live. Come on, church family. There's some people that just made the biggest, most important stake in the ground moment right now. There's some testimony just written right now. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to respond to the Lord in worship. But I just, there are some people here that you want, you want to respond to some time of prayer. Um, I want you to come down. Derek, I want you to come over here. I need a couple other over here. While we respond in worship, if you just sense, I just need to go one step further. I need someone to pray with me. I want you to come to one of these sides. And we're going to believe God is going to fight your battle. He's going to deliver. He's going to heal. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys and let's continue to love God, love people and change the world.